0: Know Your Food with Warty, episode 121. For links and more, visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 121. See you there! Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at gnaufglins.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Hey, everyone, and welcome. This is an episode devoted to listener questions. So we've got a whole lineup of those coming up. First, let me give you the tip of the week. And the tip of the week is um, based on what's happening seasonally right now, and that is we're enjoying lots of fruits. So whether you're bringing home pears or peaches or nectarines or cherries or berries, well, one of the best things you can do with them is to make fermented fruits or for uh, fermented fruit chutneys. So, on the blog, we have an article waiting for you. It's a roundup of 25 fermented fruit and chutney recipes. So, the tip of the week is to preserve some of that bounty into delicious fermented fruit chutney recipes. So, there's pears and peaches and nectarines and all kinds of things. So, check it out. Here's a link for you. Um, what was it? knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash chutney. And um, I want to point out why you should do this. Well, number one, you got a lot of fruit, so you can preserve some of it. Now, fruit ferments are not going to last a long, long time. You should consume them within a couple weeks because they tend toward going alcoholic. Um, But that's definitely better than letting fruit sit around in boxes rotting, right? So, you know, do your drying, Do your canning, make your jams, also do some chutney. Get a couple quarts or half gallons of chutney in your refrigerator. And so it's going to help you preserve. It's also a great boost in nutrition um, because when you ferment foods, you get an explosion of probiotics and enzymes. You also, you know, you're so that's really nutritious for you, the beneficial acids. So it's really good for your digestion and you know, your gut flora. You're also going to benefit from the wonderful, um, flavors. So oftentimes when you're making a chutney, you're combining the fruits with some, you know, savory things like nuts or seeds, even pepper or spices. So you get this wonderful complex, um, just really, balanced flavor and it's so versatile. You can eat it with yogurt or on toast, you know, kind of as a the sweet side. Or it can be savory. So you're putting like an apple chutney or a cranberry chutney or a pear chutney and you know, add raisins or whatever, and you're having it alongside grilled meats. So very, very versatile there. Another benefit is that when you ferment the fruit, the organisms are consuming some of the sugar. Um, So for people who are looking to reduce their overall sugar consumption, fermenting is a great option. So that's the tip of the week for you is to explore a fermented chutney. And just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash chutney um, and you'll see a list of 25 different recipes you could explore based on what seasonal fruits you have available. Hi, I'm Morty, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at traditionalcookingschool.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems like eczema and food allergies, but we don't anymore, and I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com free and I'll show you how easily you can do it too. I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com/ free today. So now it's time for listener questions. That's the whole point of this episode. And we have a number of questions from Henry H. So Henry gonna tackle your questions one by one right now. First, Henry asks, can you ferment pretty much anything at all? The answer is, Yes, pretty much anything at all. And if you if you've gotten my lacto fermentation ebook or my complete idiot's guide to fermenting foods, or you've taken my lacto fermentation e course, you'll see that we cover all the food groups: um, fruits and vegetables, beverages, condiments, meats. You can do you can ferment anything. Now, some foods do not have natural sugars, so they're not like they don't have a a carb component, in which case, in order to get them ferment, you have to add some kind of sugar for the organisms to eat. And a perfect example of this is like if you're making fermented sausages or if you're doing um, corned beef, that's why some of these recipes or all of these recipes call for some sugar to be added. So you're giving the organisms a food source and it benefits you by curing the meat. Uh, So yes, Henry, the answer is yes, you can ferment pretty much anything. Definitely, if you're new to fermenting, though, you want to start with tried and true recipes, and we have a ton of them in all all three of those resources I just mentioned for you. Next, Henry is asking, why do I experience excessive gas from drinking organic milk? The milk is bought from a store, and it's non-homogenized and pasteurized. It's also whole milk with 3% fat and pretty much the best I can get here in Finland. I still don't understand why I experience problems with my body. The same happens with organic heavy cream at 15%. Is it the breed of the cow we have here or something else? Any idea? I had the same problems when I drank just regular homogenized pasteurized, and it was 1 to 1.5% fat milk, but the symptoms were even worse. I do eat a lot of bread, and the bread is always at least some part of it, whole grain. Could that be the reason for bloating excessive gas? And then he goes on to explain that he exercises a lot by doing many types of sports. He drinks a lot of milk for recovery sometimes over one liter a day. Um, He also eats organic eggs, only organic, the very best I can find. I rarely get any problems from them. Okay, so Henry, the reason you're getting excessive gas bloating, whether it's the milk or the bread, is um, the sugar. So milk has lactose, and if your gut balance is off at all or... um, you're just sensitive to excess sugar. The organisms in your gut are going to just kind of go crazy from that lactose. And that's why you get gas and bloating. So my first feeling, and although I'm not a doctor and you'd want to consult with a doctor or you know come to your own research and conclusion, is that your gut floor is probably off balance. And so if you're consuming that sugar, um, that's why the, the gas and bloating are occurring. And the sugar could come from the starches in the bread. It could come from the lactose in the milk. Um, now, I realize you're doing it for um, recovery. And I, I'm i not sure I have an alternative for you because I'm not sure um, what exactly you're looking for as an after-workout recovery drink. I mean, is it the sugar or is it the protein or the fat? I'm not sure. But if you want to cut back on the gas and bloating, um, at least with the dairy, I would do fermented dairy. And I know you're already making kefir, Um, so it's possible that you could um, make your recovery drink out of fermented dairy. I don't know though on the sugar aspect if you need a certain amount of sugar, but maybe you could, maybe if the milk's causing the problem but the bread isn't, maybe you could do some oats or something that provides the sugar you need to recover, but it's not necessarily the milk sugar that's causing you the gas or bloating. And again, I don't know what exactly is causing it, but I'm thinking it's sugar overall, so you need to do some testings, maybe some food journal and paying attention, testing one thing separately from another to really determine which sugar is causing the problem for you. And then you'd want to cut back on that. Um, you also might want to consider a gut healing diet. So look into GAPS or an anti candida diet, um, because going on one of those diets um, can help restore the proper gut flora. Um, I <laughs> If you've been following my podcast or my blog, you know I've been visiting a lot lately with my friend Megan Stevens, who's had an amazing um, recovery from autoimmune diseases and other things. And when, when she and I met back when we were in college, so over 20 years ago, we were both vegetarians. And, you know, now we discuss it and think, oh, how, how did we even do that? We were you know, misinformed, misguided. But one thing we both had, and I'm, I, I don't think we ever discussed it, but one thing we both experienced way back then was excessive gas. Um, now, why did I bring that up? <laughs> well, we have both at times in our life have well, Megan especially, and even me, and I would explain that because I've had seasonal allergies my whole life until I rebalance my gut flora. Well, Megan is healed from serious health conditions by restoring gut flora, and one thing that neither of us has anymore is gas or bloating. Um, and I never set out to cure my gas. I don't know that she did either, but working on your gut flora kind of takes care of that issue, so that's why I'm bringing it up. So you might want to look into the GAPS diet and... Um, if you're working out, I know it'll probably be a challenge for you. Um, you just definitely want to eat as many things as you can and to keep up your energy. So, you know, tons of non-starchy vegetables, the broth, the meat, the fat. And, uh, this is something you need to explore, but I'm throwing it out there as an idea because it's possible that maybe one day in the future, if you restore your gut flora, that then you could have the milk again. Um, And one other thing, just to help with the symptoms of milk, Um, there have been times in our lives, in my family, when we may be working on an issue, but there's a certain food that causes a problem, and so then we take enzymes. So um, there's an enzyme I highly recommend, and I'll add a link to it in the show notes. It's the one that we have in our family for these times. And so if you feel like you simply cannot give up the milk for or you need to wean yourself off of it or have a small amount of it instead of the whole liter, um, you could take enzymes to help you digest it because maybe maybe the issue is not gut flora, but it's that you don't have the right enzymes to digest the lactose in the milk. And so if you take enzyme supplementation, that may solve it for you. So I'll put a link to you in the show notes. For you in the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 121 to the digestive enzymes I recommend. Okay, moving on, another question from Henry. Henry says, can I mix different kefir batches together in a bigger glass jar? So does it matter if, let's say, the first batch I pour into the glass jar is from 24 hours ago and then the second batch I pour into the same glass is made 24 hours later? Or should I ferment every batch separately in a bigger jar at once? And a separate question is, does the kefir milk stay good for how long after fermenting in the fridge? Okay, so the first part of it. Is it okay to mix them? Yes, it's okay to mix them, so have at it. Um, I'm assuming they're the same culture, like you're using the same set of grains, but even if it weren't, you know, being in the same house and the same type of milk, I don't think you're, you're going to have generally the same kind of organism balance from batch to batch, so go ahead and, and mix. That is just fine. Your second part of that question was how long does it stay good? Well, um, in my experience, you know, milk gets um cultured milk because it has active organisms it just gets more and more sour it doesn't spoil so I, I mean provided nothing gets in there and you keep it closed tightly and it's at the back of the fridge and it's kept really cold and you're not getting in and out often I mean it will continue to get stronger and more sour um but it could last weeks or months. So I would just, you know, if you're not consuming it, treat it as a science experiment and see how long it can go. Um, And also see how long you like it, because it might be four weeks old and it's just way too strong. You don't like it anymore. If you do end up and you see a little bit of mold accumulating at the top of the jar, like right on the top, skim that away. The rest is probably fine. Okay, final question from Henry. Is it safe to heat up kefir milk for hot chocolate on a stove? Do the probiotics die from the heat? If they do, then what temperature does that happen? Okay, so Henry, it is safe to heat up um, kefir on the stove. I mean, safe in the fact that nothing's going to happen to it. It's, you know, not ruined or anything. But the probiotic, probiotics and enzymes do expire. You know, they'll perish. They will not last through the heat. So if you want that benefit, you don't want to heat it up. You know, there are bread recipes, like if you don't have a sourdough starter, you can do a kefir bread recipe where you're using the kefir as a leavening agent, like a natural yeast, in which case you're making use of it for the, the um, traditional preparation of the dough, the reduction of anti-nutrients, the lift or the rise in the bread, and then you just go into it knowing that's going to be baked and you're not going to get the benefits of raw kefir because it had a different purpose there. So also keep that in mind. I'm not sure what kind of a context we're talking about here. Like, why are you thinking of heating up kefir? Um, another thing you can do is, well, I think you said hot chocolate. So, um, so I guess we do know the context. But one thing you could do with the hot chocolate is you could heat up a small amount of the kefir with the ingredients you want to heat up. Like if you need to dissolve your sugar or your, you know, get it mixed well with the, the cocoa powder or whatever, use a small amount of kefir that's heating, heated, and then combine that with cold kefir so that, you know, only a small amount of the probiotics and enzymes perish. And then it's not a hot chocolate, it's like a cold chocolate. Just an idea for you. Um, You did ask what temperature do the probiotics die from heat? Well, the issue is the probiotics and the enzymes. And to be honest, the they perish at different temperatures, but the general rule of thumb on raw foods is keep it all below 115 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you want to gently warm something and not go over 115 degrees, it could be gently warm and still a living raw food. Um, but you go over 115 degrees and enzymes and organisms start to perish, and the higher you go, the more different kinds are going to get hit by that heat and perish, Thanks, Henry. Our next question comes from Michelle W, and she's basically um, asking where to start. Here's her message. Hi, I've been on your site and have found it both wonderful and beneficial. I would love to order everything off your site, but I'm on a small disability for PTSD and I need advice as to what to do. I'm a hundred pounds overweight. My lifestyle is lethargic and easy, high-carb processed meals due to the stress of eight deaths, and I'm so sorry for you, Michelle. Eight deaths in the last four years. I want to change my lifestyle, but I don't know where to begin when it comes to food. I have no skills in the kitchen with traditional cooking. I tried fermenting a cabbage and some ginger last week, but I don't know if it worked or not, as I haven't done this before. So when I found your site, I was overjoyed. I looked over the eight books as well as the traditional cooking school and I don't know what to do or where to start. I'm also Canadian. Um, I'm a Christian. And since you are too, I'd ask if you'd consider praying about what I should do since you have the knowledge of your material. Thank you so much. Blessings, Michelle. Well, Michelle, I would be honored to pray for you. And I have already been praying for you as this question's been sitting in the queue. And I'd love to give you some, some help here and direction. And first of all, let me just say again that um, I am sorry the last four years have been so hard for you. And I think that if you begin to improve your health, you might find that you recover better from the stress of that. Because food is not just food to keep you know, us going. It's about our overall health. And it has a huge impact on our emotional well-being and the way that we handle stress um, and just deal with the day-to-day. So I'd encourage you to do as, as much as you can, even if it's tiny baby steps, to recover your health um, so as to improve your overall life. Here are some specific suggestions for you. Um, First of all, you looked over all our books in traditional cooking school, and if there's any way at all you can get involved, I'd encourage it because we're here to show you what to do. And so often, the biggest battle we face is not being able to see ourselves doing something and to feel like we're alone. And so in our traditional cooking school, you have me and the other teachers showing you what to do so you can see yourself doing it, plus we support you through the process. Um, So if there's any way you could join us, please do. If you want to start with just an ebook to get you started with traditional cooking, there are two I'd recommend, and that is um, Fundamentals 1 and 2. Of course, we have the video classes included with traditional cooking school membership, but you can also get them as a standalone ebook. And so if that's all you can do, start with fundamentals because we go over, over all the fundamentals of traditional cooking from fats to grass-fed meats to vegetables to soaking grains to sourdough, and you kind of hit on all the topics. So it's a very good survey course and a place to start. And you could just go through the lessons one week at a time or whatever pace you can handle, And we give you like assignments, simple recipes to do, and um, you will progress, probably progress faster than you would imagine, um, because there's an amazing confidence you build in learning simple skills. And that's what this is. It's simple skills, but they build on each other. And you get a foundation of information behind you so you can like believe in what you're doing and you begin to feel better immediately, and that feeling better really translates into confidence and motivation to keep going. So if that's where you need to start, I mean, if you need to start small, that's where I think you should start. Now here are some specific suggestions, um, because you said your diet is highly processed um, carb meals, and I would just suggest immediately you make some changes in your diet. Um, One of the biggest things you can do is eat healthy fats. So butter, coconut oil, extra virgin olive oil. Um, Just switch. Whatever you're frying in, whatever you're spreading on your toast, whatever you're using for baking, use the real stuff. Also, um, instead of conventional feedlot meat and eggs or milk, switch to grass-fed, raw, organic, wild-caught, etc., so the more you can switch over, the better. It's a better um, fatty acid profile for your brain and your overall health and energy. Um, so y- people often immediately feel better just by eating the right meat because the wrong meats are from unhealthy animals. And that just purely translates to... Poor health for us because if they're not healthy, it's not healthy meat for us, and we get the effects of it. And the biggest difference really is in the fat in the meat. It's completely off balance with its omega three, omega six ratio, um, as well as other things. So switch your fats, switch your meats. Um, your, uh, you say high carb processed foods, so they're probably white flour. So if you could just do some simple whole grain baking, if you want to start with sourdough, we have a free recipe on the blog for sourdough English muffins. You could even request a free starter. We have free instructions to start your own starter and a really good way, a really good easy bread to just use for everything Um, it's a good replacement would be sourdough English muffins because it's sandwiches or toast alongside. I mean, you can use it as a hamburger bun. You could chop it up for croutons. I mean, just if you just needed to do one bread that works for all that's easy to do, that would be confidence building for you to do for yourself. Sourdough English muffins is it. Um, I think you should reduce your overall uh, white flour carb load. So it doesn't mean you have to cut out cut out you know the breads and the carbs completely but if that's what you're relying on it's probably making you feel worse and your gut balance is off and you know you're getting these sugar spikes because it's just it's just going right anyway it's just keeping you permanently off kilter so if instead you could bulk up your meals with non-starchy vegetables so you know You could do cabbage noodles where you just finely shred cabbage and steam it then drain and toss with butter. Use that in place of noodles or bake a spaghetti squash or do zucchini noodles where you use a spiralizer and you turn your zucchini into spiral and then you saute it or lightly steam and then you have wonderful zucchini noodles. They're called zoodles. And you can really bulk up a meal and feel really satisfied and full but not all starchy from, you know, refined pastas and such. Um, you said you want to lose 100 pounds or you're 100 pounds overweight. Well, I don't know if recently you heard my podcast episode 113, and I talked about how over the last year, well, from May 2014 through May 2015, I've lost more than 30 pounds. In fact, by November or so, I'd lost that weight. I used a, um, not only traditional foods, but I started rearranging what I was eating when according to this diet called Trim Healthy Mama. Um, and that's a book you could purchase and there's a Facebook group that helps you do it with traditional foods and then of course there's my podcast where I explained how I did it with traditional foods because the book is not 100% traditional foods and if you want more information on, on how I did it go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com 113 it's episode 113 you could also look for it in your iTunes or Stitcher. Um, overall, I think that if you start eating whole foods, you cut down on the sugar, cut down on the refined carbs, you're going to start feeling better because you're going to feel more satisfied and you're just, your health is going to influence how you feel. I think it'll have a great impact on your PTSD and the stress in your life. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not giving medical advice. I'm just sharing my thoughts and experiences and I'm willing to help you. So I hope this gets you started. I hope you, uh, keep in touch and I am praying for you. Okay, our final question today is from Esther D. She says, I would really like to find a fermented vegetable that my family likes. Can I ferment vegetables and fruits together? And is there anything special that needs to be done to ensure the right organisms growing? For instance, could I make an apple-carrot slaw heavy on the apples and carrots? Would it be a problem making this with salt only in no way? What's the rule of thumb to determine how much salt to use in proportion to my fruits and veggies? And um, she goes on to say that her family has turned down all the kinds of vegetables or salad dressings she's made. They don't care for sour, dill, spicy, or any cabbage. <laughs> um, but they do gladly eat smoothies made with milk kefir or yogurt served with honey and granola or fruit, water kefir when, that's, when that was an option when she was able to make it, and apple chutney that was my recipe. She just wants to serve them fermented vegetables because they already eat loads of fruit and they're obviously eating the fermented dairy already. Okay, so um, yes, to go back to your could you make an apple carrot slaw heavy on the apples and carrots. Yes, definitely do that. These fermented foods are formulaic. You got to get the amount of salt right, the amount of starter culture right if you need one. Um, But as far as the fruits and vegetables go, you can play with it to make your own um, flavors. Carrots in particular are a wonderful vegetable to use as a base for a uh, ferment because they are sweet. They they don't end up sour like your cabbage or your pickles. So yes, do a carrot apple slaw. Add raisins if your family likes raisins. Add um, nuts, seeds. Turn it into kind of a chutney. Shred up that shred up those carrots and add a lot more apples than a recipe calls for. Um, So it's great. I think you should definitely start with that. Think of it kind of like the apple chutney, but it's carrot-based, and you're adding, you know, nuts and apples. Um, You said make it with salt only in no way. Yes, you can skip the whey, but it being a fruit-based ferment or having a lot of apples, you definitely want to use a starter culture so I, the one I use most often is the um, veggie ferment starter culture from homesteadersupply.com it's very economical. Um, There's also packaged uh, Caldwell's or body ecology, and they come in packages. And what I've learned through uh, traditional cooking school member feedback is that you don't have to use a whole package. You could use just like a 16th or an eighth of a teaspoon per quart instead of the whole package or half the package. So you can make them last a lot longer. But because of the fruits, you do need a starter culture. You're not just looking at doubling the salt or increasing the salt. With fruits, you need to add a star- starter culture because the fruits are so sugary that your ferment could spoil um, before it really gets a strong or lactobacilli colony going. Um, but if you're talking about vegetables and skipping salt, yes, you can skip salt, skip the way. The way is the starter culture. I didn't mean skip the salt. I mean skip the whey. The whey is the starter culture. And then what you want to do if it's a vegetable recipe under brine, you don't need to do anything different because the brine has already got the right salt. Six tablespoons to half gallon of water is what I do. If it's a mixture where you're like adding dry salt and it's a really soupy mixture because the vegetables are small and juicy and you skip the whey and you also don't add a starter culture, then you want to double the salt or increase it by like one and a half times. So it's a little bit on the salty side. I hope that helps, Esther. And boy, I just hope that your kids, your family really enjoys that carrot apple slaw. I think it's a really good idea. Thanks for joining me, everyone, for this episode of Listener Questions. To chime in or to see the questions or any links I've mentioned, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 121, where it will all be there. And if you have questions for a future episode, I'd love to answer them. So go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions, um, and that gives you instructions you can call or email. Lots of options there to get your questions to me, and we put them in the queue, and then when they build up enough, I do an episode of listener questions. Thanks to Henry and Michelle and Esther for asking today's questions, and please do keep in touch in the comments at the show notes knowyourfoodpodcast.com. God bless you all. Talk to you all soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again very soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash and then without a space type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air, so go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that other people will find this podcast. Thank you so much.